and welcome back to another episode of the Project Tears podcast. I'm Kevin. And I'm Joe. Today we are finishing up our vintage 4x4s that matter to us episodes. Uh, we started out with four vehicles. Uh, we kind of went through and, and, and broke them all down. We've done uh, a kind of in-depth look at the, the Land Rovers. Yep. And then we did an episode where we kind of went a little bit more into Broncos and Scouts, kind of our feelings and thoughts. Um, and then this is going to be the Jeep episode, which I picked a CJ5, and so that's what uh, this one's going to be about. This we're going to kind of talk about Jeeps. Yes. Um, and then coming up next week, you'll get to hear the Forgotten Unloved series, which is an FJ40 and, and maybe a few other ones we'll talk about. So, And that's going to be uh, going... I'm going to go talk to uh, Steve, my friend, and one of our listeners who kind of called me out on forgetting the FJ40 in our... It was intentional. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it's intentional by Joe, unintentional by me. Um... I have zero love for the FJ40s <laughs> and like a twinge of tolerance for the four-letter word Jeep. So, so basically the four that I picked, right, we've been over them. But, and, and, and I was talking to Steve about it. The reason I picked them, A, I own a Scout. B, Joe owns Land Rover and loves them. Yes. See Project Tears combined activity slash Joe of the CJ5. Yes. And then the Bronco, both of our wives love them and like that's making a comeback. It's kind of the big one. It is like, like it's the easy one to think about. And I. Well, and you and I have both been involved jointly in numerous Bronco projects. Right. Yeah. We've built Broncos and. And so I think that's another one that they're again more or less with a, uh, a an experiential tie in. Like we've got some vested interest in that specific model yeah um so let, let's talk a little bit about zippy so the okay. cj5 ah. version of vintage 4x4 is uh zippy delivery yes take, take it away joe all right well zippy started out life as a dj5 which is actually like the service vehicle for the post office so zippy started life right hand drive two-wheel drive um, it's a 1965. I got all the Ives going there. Got a little wrap um, going on. But uh, prior to us acquiring it, it had been converted to left-hand drive and four-wheel drive. But I found, as I got digging into it, the chassis and body numbers actually match. So I, I initially, when I was digging into it, I thought they had just swapped chassis and you know threw the tub on something else. But yeah. they they went through the effort of actually you know, relocating the steering column and pedals and and putting a, a four-wheel drive axle and transfer case and stuff in there. Um, as it pertains to vintage 4x4, and I, we previously discussed this in one of the other episodes, like the CJ5 was a pretty small package to begin with. Yep. And so you've got all these guys that shove giant overbuilt. There we go. That was the term I coined back then. And I, I still very much hold that sentiment that it can be overbuilt. And so with Zippy, the the design theming of Zippy delivery is hearkening back to its roots as a male Jeep, a male delivery Jeep. And, uh, you know, the, the thing that made the Jeep the Jeep, which was like crazy low gearing, almost underpowered. It's not a wannabe monster truck or some monstrosity. It's It's more utilitarian. So... Like, it's going to have stock size tires. Um, I'm not going to do power brakes or power steering. I'm leaving the stock motor because it's actually looks like it's been rebuilt. And that in and of itself is another oddball to Zippy is it's got a 
F-head motor, which I learned about as we dove into that project. But um, anyway, so the CJ5 era we'll discuss will be probably like the 60s, maybe into the 70s a little bit. Yeah, so, so one of the things Steve called me out is, so I, I don't know that much about Jeeps. You and I both pretty much feel the same about Zippy as we do about my Scout. It's like it's yeah. the only CJ we need to love. Exactly. Right? And and it is. When we got it, when you wanted to originally get it, and when we got it, I was like, man, whatever. Like, I don't really care that much. And I've kind of fallen in love with a little Jeep. Right? As have I, yeah. It's, Other it's ones definitely... don't do anything for me. Nope. But um, the one thing I do feel, so I guess Land Rovers might be in a similar boat, but like Scouts and Broncos, I think I prefer to see them built somewhat. I would agree. I think that the the Land Rover and Jeep have more of a a vintagey utilitarian feel. Right. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to see. I mean, if if I'm if I'm given a Jeep and I've got everything else that I want that's built, and I'm given a CJ5, I'm probably just going to restore it like you're doing, right? Yeah. Basically back to what it was originally. Um, you know. The, I, you're not putting big tires on it. You're not putting big horsepower in it. You don't need big axles, you know, and, and just enjoy how it is. Yeah. I mean, it, it, the Jeep is so iconic because of what it's gone through through its history, right? Where it came from with yep. with being a, a vehicle built specifically to go into battle, you know, and then you have a lot of veterans that come home and they, they've learned to love these Jeeps kind of like we've learned to love Zippy, right? Yeah. And and they get them and they buy them and they do their thing with them. And, and so I think that's why there's so many of them. The other thing I find so interesting is that it is probably far and away the most popular of our series, right? I would agree, yeah. And and still probably the you could buy one for the cheapest. I'm not gonna say least valuable, yeah. Mo but like, most obtainable. Most obtainable, yeah. for sure. Like they're they're out there for one, yep. right? Scouts and oh, brokers yeah. pop up and down, and I don't. But know. they're they want crazy money for both. That's the yeah. part that I just find staggering. Is like if you wanted to get into the vintage four by four market the cj is actually the perfect platform because you can find a, either a built one or even like a relatively original one for practically nothing i mean yeah like especially under a grand. when you compare it to, to the uh opposition right the yeah other, you can never find like... a bronco under any circumstances for under a grand no. like you know you'd be hard pressed to find one for under five grand but and that like that's the other thing i found like when we've talked about it with the Spitfire, like, you get online, I can buy two tie rods, tie rod ends for the Spitfire for, like, ten bucks. They come as a pair. Like, parts for that thing are so ridiculously inexpensive that it makes it, like, this amazing car to do things with because it's like, well, I could do poly bushings through the entire suspension for under $100. And so as we started working on Zippy, the more down that rabbit hole I went... I get it's very much the same scenario is as long as you're buying stock parts for it, they're stupid cheap. Yeah. And I could see once you go to like full width axles and all this other like it exponentially increases and becomes more expensive and you're more prone to break things. But like on that stock motor and everything, like a water pump was like less than 20 bucks. I mean, it was crazy. But uh, well, the, the aftermarket support for the Jeep and just going back to what you're saying is that's probably the best platform if somebody wants to start on a vintage 4x4 is the aftermarket for it is, is absolutely insane oh very you much know, so from basic replacement parts that are built by aftermarket companies to 
new stuff. And so my scout being my prime example and, and talking to Steve um, on his FJ40, it's the same thing as like, well, I've got this thing, you know, like my scout, like I had everything there, all the bits were there, but like finding parts to replace them was incredibly hard. And when you did find them, it would cost one an arm and yeah, they're stupid amounts of money. You're not going to run into yep. that with a Jeep, right? And so that's why right. I did what I did with my Scout is basically ripped all the Scout stuff out of it, and I put a bunch of Toyota stuff in it. But like, I can go to any auto parts store and buy replacement parts. Yes, you know, worst case, I might have to wait a day, but I har- I highly doubt I'm going to be waiting more than a day on the stuff that I'm getting because it's it's so attainable, right? And that's the same yeah. thing about the CJ5 is that you can go into any parts store, any you know, four by four shop, any aftermarkets, and they're going to have something for you so that you can build it back to stock, right? The, the, yep. Yeah. I mean, if, if you want to restore a Scout or a Land Rover or an FJ40 back to an original thing, like it's going to cost a lot more money and it's going to be a lot more work to find them. Yeah. You know, I, I can't just go buy a, a fender or a bedside for my Scout. Like that's not going to happen. I've got to go find some guy that's pulled it out of a junkyard and now wants $500 for a fender. Yeah. Right, that's rusty out and bent up and missing, you know, tabs to mount it on, and that's just that's just what it is, and so that's kind of why I've gone the direction I've gone, and that's kind of the benefit that that the Jeep platform has and will always have is that the aftermarket support support for it is just immense. Yeah, it's it's out of control, and so it makes it a good platform for building on, especially if you don't want to go crazy rock crawler, which on a CJ5. It's Again. such a short wheelbase, and yeah, it's it's you know. Then there are the CJ6s and the CJ7s, and that was the hard thing about when I when I decided to go to the CJ5. It was kind of a um, a quick decision to go because yeah, I mean, there's so many Jeeps out there, right? The whole Jeep brand, you know, from your Willys and your wagons and your trucks and yep. you know, into the Commandos, the Jeepsters, you know, and then your CJ, all your two, buy a thousand two, options, right? And so I was like, whatever, CJ5, it fits the bill, it's similar, yep. and obviously we have one. We so have our hands on one, yeah. So a good reference point to have one. So. And I think that's, that's an interesting uh, point to touch on as well, is, you know, much much like the Land Rover series and Defender, I mean, they made that thing for almost 60 years. So as far as, like, not necessarily in the United States, but in other places, if you wanted to swap stuff and modify, et cetera, you had this vast version of iteration or variety of iterations of that vehicle that you had to choose from. Yeah. And with the CJ, I actually got into a debate with it at one point in my life, and this person became quite heated. And I was more just poking fun because I like to give people a hard time about everything, especially if they like Toyotas. But, uh, <laughs> um, but like the CJ platform, although it did exist, like really the CJ5, CJ7 is kind of the the, the longest running universal platform. You know, I mean, right. it went from like the 60s clear into the 80s. And there again, you had all these different motors, you had all these different configurations and stuff, even like the CJ6 and, you know, different stuff like that. But I think that like Jeep has become so ingrained in people's vernacular that if it's got round headlights and seven bars in the grill, like, it's a Jeep. And, like, that's really all they care about. And so, like, back to the, the conversation I had with somebody, like, they were getting quite defensive. And they're like, you know, this is a body style that hasn't changed for, like, 70 years. And I was like, oh, are you talking about the Land Rover? And that was, like, the last straw. And they got quite <laughs> heated with me. But, like, 
it has hit various iterations. And when you talk to like Jeep, Jeep people, you know, you got like the, the flat fender and the high fender, high flat fender and the, you know, and it's it, it, so much of that gets lost in the specificity of it that I think as a vintage 4x4, the CJ5 is kind of the iconic platform because it was the departure in the direction of a more universal platform. It was it was essentially the first Wrangler, right? I mean, yeah. it wasn't called the Wrangler at the time, but, no, it, but, but it was. And, and unfortunately, because Land Rover did what they did and they disappeared for a few years, like you were saying, that Wrangler name or the Jeep, you know, the, the round headlight seven slot thing has yep. been around since then, right? And yeah. it's never gone away. Obviously, the Scout was gone and will never come back. The Bronco was gone for a lot of years. Finally coming back, as far as the name goes. And Land Rover, you know, the Defender, well, uh, the Series. I mean, sad, the Series kind topic. of that name ended more or less. Yeah, yeah, but, the Series did hit its... its. So, you know, you've got this... this finality. CJ through Wrangler base that has just never gone away and probably never will, if we're being honest. I mean, yeah, it's got it's, such a following that it's... I mean, if, if you got the, the milk flowing, you might as well keep the cow around, right? Yeah. So, but, but yeah. But the other thing that I, I find funny about Jeep, too, is is one of the, the your favorite things to talk about is the knockoffs. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yes. So, yes. so you can buy a CJ for dirt cheap. Which this is an interesting point because you can buy okay our our CJ five, yeah, dirt cheap, pulled out of a field. Yes, it needs work, not a lot of work, right? but it's it's got good bones, right? It's got like, good bones. It's got good character. So you can spend, you know, you pick up one of those. Let's say you pay a couple hundred bucks for one in our condition, less than a thousand, definitely. Yeah, you know, and and you put a couple thousand bucks into it, and you could have a stock looking stock running and I mean you even update a few things if you need to for well 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 oh, you could be under three thousand oh, dollars easy and have something that you could actually take to a car show and not be embarrassed by right and, and then, still drive it to the uh, burger shop every couple of days or right whatever. and on the other side of the coin which is the fake side of the coin you have the what's it called the mahindra roxer mahindra roxer which starting is, at like fifteen thousand dollars yeah and it's got the same top speed as a 65 cj yeah it's not like you're getting a bronco with a coyote in it for that price yeah right? you're, right? you're getting old technology yeah with new metal like, exactly <laughs> and Oddly enough, and we we should probably look into this, but um, I had a friend tell me that Jeep sued Mahindra. I always assumed Mahindra was operating under some licensing agreement or something, because it is very much a restamped CJ7 with a different grill. And I guess Jeep sued them and won, and so they had to make like 15 design changes to get it away from the Jeep look. And the second iteration grill... It's like a straight-up FJ40 knockoff. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, you're going the wrong direction here. Like, you're, you're just going to get, yeah, you're going to get somebody else mad at you. But but that that is the, the the quintessential point we're trying to make here is like, yeah, it's brand spanking new for 15 grand. But like, if we take Zippy, like, it's not going to have a show-quality paint job. Like, let's be honest here. Most of the paint that it will be applied to Zippy will come from a can with a marble in it. You catch my drift. <laughs> but, like, I'm trying to do, like, satin colors on it, so it still has a little vintage right. feel to it. Yep. But, like, I mean, pop the front clip apart and, like, cleaned up the motor. And just tidying it up, 
as best we can without turning it into a full-on frame-off and making it functional. And it'll be fun to cruise around the yard and pick up on some trails and stuff. But, like, that's kind of the approach that I love about it because if you're not $10,000 into it, you're probably more prone to enjoy it a little bit more because, like I've said at the Spitfire, like, if you got a park at Walmart and someone dings the door, it is not a ten to $15,000 paint job and now, coincidentally, the consequently the end of the world because now you have a door ding. You know, like with something like that where it's a little bit lower budget build, it almost adds to the character or the, the, the ambience of the, the car. And I think we talked about it when we were in the GT6, but like you could almost make like a checklist of, oh, that happened in like, you know, that happened on the on the Rubicon Trail. You know, that's not a door ding yeah. from Walmart. <laughs> like, you know, we were delivering mail to Viet Cong and, you know, they they threw a machete or something and yeah, you know, hit, yeah. this, hit the quarter panel of this Jeep or whatever. Um, but that that's kind of it. Like, I mean, the motor mounts on that thing were like a buck fifty each. Like, it's stupid. And like, really, if you could get one for like 500 bucks, realistically speaking, if the motor and stuff were still halfway decent, like, I would even dare say for under 1500 bucks, you could have something that would be Drivable, drivable, as, and as, yeah, and not a complete eyesore, you know, like not right. rat rod material, but not, you know. And I, I guess that's one thing that kills me with with any of these vehicles is when you see people. I don't knock people that do the full frame off restoration, but with vintage four x four especially, like they were designed to get dirty, and so if you've got a Bronco that you're sixty thousand dollars into. Um, you're going to be afraid to get that thing dirty, you know? And there was that blue Bronco we built right at the end of my tenure there at the off-road shop. I know on good... I totally had a brain fart there. On good what? On um, good, there's a word you're looking for there. Yep, I lost it. We're going to have to edit this part out. I have on good... <laughs> <laughs> it's way too late to be having this conversation. Anyway, word from somebody else. Yes, I, <laughs> whatever that term is. <laughs> I was talking to somebody the other day who knew the individual that we built this Bronco for, and the dude takes it down to Moab like religiously, and that makes me like so happy to know that you know we did a full frame off on yeah, this yeah. this Bronco and tidied it up, and it had a a five O H O out of like a you know, 90s Explorer or something. But, like, it was a decent rig. And doing the whole frame off and cleaning everything up and fresh paint on everything, he could have easily just parked it in his garage and and never done anything with it. But the guy's taking it down to Moab and, like, wheeling it, like, full on, which that is as it should be. Yeah. So, anyway. We've, we've, we've meandered around a little bit. I don't know where the... the well, we were talking about the old Roxer, and that's yeah. um, the, the other thing that, that you've talked about, and that I've seen, and I'm pretty sure it's not the same brand. I think it's a different brand because it's a side, it, it's like a true side-by-side, -side, but you can tell it's a knockoff Chinese side-by-side. -side. And again, trying to emulate the Jeep, the Jeep in its I, design. I have seen those, yeah. You know, and, and that, I mean, you've kind of compared the CJ5 to a side-by-side -side before. Well, dimensionally speaking, it is within inches of like a razor yeah and so i mean 
there, there's obvious differences between, you know, a Razor and a, and a CJ, you know, yeah. as far as like power and suspension. Yep. Oh, yeah. You know, but you are also paying, hun- not hundreds, sorry. Well, you can, Ten, you can get in it. Tens of thousands yeah. of dollars for a side-by-side, you know, and, and it all depends on what you want to do with it, you know. But yeah. I think there's something to be said for... Like you buying the Jeep and, and going through it and learning everything about it. You know, you and I have worked on many vehicles throughout the years and, and pulled a lot of things apart and put them back together. But when you get a vehicle you haven't worked on before, like it's it's just still a learning experience. It's, it's a whole new puzzle. Yeah. It, I mean, you know, you understand how they work and how they come apart and stuff. But it's um, it's kind of a, a fun thing to learn again on a yeah. new vehicle, you know, a, a something that you haven't messed with. Okay, for a good example... I've been working on the stupid riding lawnmower for the last couple of weeks, and I've done a lot of work on cars, and this thing was kicking my butt because I, di- I haven't done a lot of small engine stuff, you know? Yeah. And just, like, not knowing where to go. And now that I've got it running and going, like, I could go back and do it easy and have it done in 10 minutes rather than, in, you know, hours at a time for two weeks because I know what I'm after. And so yeah. that's kind of, to me, the fun thing about project cars, about old cars, about kind of what we do and what we enjoy doing. Yeah. Is that, yes, you understand the mechanics of it all. Yes, you understand how things go together, how they function. But, like, getting into a new vehicle, like you're saying, it's a whole new puzzle. Like, you know how to put a puzzle yeah. together. You understand which way to start and how to do it and what direction, you know. And, and there's a method to it. And it's kind of the same thing is, is there's a method to it, but it's a whole different puzzle when you get done. And, and you learn things throughout it. You do. You know, and I I used to use the analogy when when I would work with students, and it applies here. I feel, um, but I refer to like experiences as like your different colors of paint, right? You've got your painter's palette, and you know you can take educated stabs at things like like the Jeep, right? Like right. okay, I I understand how an internal combustion engine works, et cetera, et cetera, and so you could take, you know, I've had some experience with a Land Rover and an FJ40 and a Bronco and a scout and I can apply all that and mix kind of a new color as I'm working with this um, CJ. But after you've got that experience, that's like a whole nother color you can add to your palette of experience to draw from. Like, I mean, I've had my hands in more engine bays than I even dare speculate, you know, probably hundreds, if not thousands. And this was the first I think we call it the Hurricane or something like that. But the F-Head, yeah. 134 cubic inch. I didn't even know such a thing existed until we got Zippy. Like, And and that's that's it. Is It was like mind blown. Like, yeah. you know, what the heck is this? And the more I read up on it, the more fascinating it was. And like, I had no idea they built motors like that. I mean, it's got exhaust valve is like a flat head and the intake valve is like an overhead valve engine, like a regular engine. But... You know, it's oddball stuff like that, that, you know, having gotten your, your hands dirty in all these different directions definitely make you a more effective utensil in the ob- automotive realm. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I mean, it's kind of like you're with your painting analogy, right? You can go, you can go buy some of those painting. It's nice. And you might like it. You might think it's yeah. cool. But like if you actually sit down and spend hours and weeks learning how to do it and getting it done and like maybe your painting's not as great as something else, but like buying a $15,000 knockoff Jeep versus something that you've built and you've put time and you've put the effort into, like, which one are you going to love more? Exactly. You know what I mean, it, it's pretty obvious. <laughs> like you're, you're, and, well, unless, unless it doesn't want to go together and then you hate it. That's right? true. It's one or the other it's though. A it's a slippery slope. <laughs> 
So, so that's something I mean I find really cool about the Jeeps. Again, you and I don't need to have a lot of Jeeps, um, but yeah, but it is fun to have one to see it and to tinker with it and and to kind of you know learn a little bit about it as we go. Just like yep. you finding out the whole zippy thing, right? The fact oh, yeah. that like you know the, the postal code you know it's not it's not a jeep thing it's a u.s mail thing but like we would yeah. have never found that without owning this jeep and trying to figure out something unique about it come up to, with a design theme for yeah it. design yeah. theme and a name and and you know it, it's a look into history which again if, if you just decide to buy something that's not you know you're not going to do that as much and so yeah. it, you know it's, it's a love relationship that you you learn to build with it um and i think that's really cool you know and it's um Something there is there is something unique to the Jeep, right? As much as I don't need to own one, there is something unique to the Jeep history and and to Jeeps in its yeah. own special way, just like everything else. And I think it it is a very prevalent element of Americana. Yeah, I think is part of part of it. And you know, like I said, it is it is a four letter word in ninety percent <laughs> of my experiences. But yeah. Full disclosure, Zippy, I think I was like 50 bucks into, and it was a, I, this is actually the second CJ5 I have owned. When I was like 18, I bought one for a hundred bucks, and it was like a 70s, and like literally I brought it home in like three truckloads and a trailer. <laughs> like it was completely disassembled, it was like two loose axles, a frame, a pile of springs, like a bucket of interior bits, an engine with the heads off of it. Um, we actually lost one of the fenders blowing through <laughs> Ogden at nice. like midnight one night because we had like the whole body in pieces on a trailer. And we went back and looked for it for days and like never found it. But I poked around that for two, three months and then ended up selling it off to somebody else. Like, I never did anything with it other than just looked at it. And I was still living with my parents at the time. And I think, you know, for an 18-year-old to live at home and have six cars was probably a little excessive. So, But uh, that one never, I mean, it was never as complete as Zippy. But um, there again, it is, like, very dirt simple and and just fascinating. I think that's what... I find the most fascinating about old cars is if you don't go down the heavy modification route compared to a newer car, like it's, it's like, uh, the most entertaining study in history because not only you're looking at old designs, but everything's almost hyper simplified by today's standards. Yeah, so it's definitely. like, and it's very visible. Like you open the hood and it's okay. I can see. Every working component of this engine bay, you know, from just a top-down view, where nowadays it's like, where did they hide the starter? Where is the AC compressor and the this and the that? Yeah. And they shove them every nook and cranny they can. And back in the good old days, they left room in the engine bay so you could actually work on stuff. <laughs> so. so so, what does the future of Zippy hold, Joe? So, so right now we've done a little, you've done a little bit of paint, you've done a little bit of yeah. engine work, you've done some, just some updating, I, some general maintenance more or less. I pretty much stripped out the engine bay, got the firewall painted and the front half of the frame section painted. I've got new valve cover gasket, 
new water pump, new plugs, wires, and coil. Um, I guess my vision for it is just kind of tidy it up. I don't even want to take the body off. I got poly body bushings for it, but I'm hoping to just remove the bolts either with tools or with abrasives and uh, throw some body bushings in it, grease everything up real good, hose everything down with it, or knock the dirt off of it, hose it down with a coat of paint so that it's not going to deteriorate further. Yep. And then um, just enjoy it. I mean, it's the motor was allegedly rebuilt. Everything I've seen would reinforce that statement. Um, and I, I got about a couple hundred miles worth of little trails going out my front door at the new house. And I just want to put it around, drive it down to the soda shack in town and get a big gulp and just tool around the mountainside. Um, and there again, like I don't, I don't feel like it really needs to be overly built. I it would be fun if I could at least hit sixty in it. But <laughs> some high goals I, there. I was reading up on that motor and like on some forum, somebody said if if you run that motor at four thousand RPM for ten minutes, it'll be like non-rebuildable. <laughs> so we'll see how long it lasts. And I mean, if the motor lasts a good long time, that's great. If not, it'll probably get like a Ford four-cylinder in it and. At that point, we may revisit it, but just get it hosed down, do the lettering and stuff on it, do some quick and dirty interior stuff, and just... My goal is to really get it up and running, and hopefully before winter hits, actually get it down and start using it a little bit. But I think right now, to date, counting the purchase of the vehicle, I'm probably less than $300. Probably less than $200 into it. That's nuts. So... If that was a good enough synopsis. Yeah, no, that was. I was just going to add something on, and I totally spaced what I was going to say. Podcasting in the middle of the night. It's a dangerous yes. game, folks. You see, somehow we're better with grinders in the middle of the night than just talking in the middle of the night. Who knows? Who knew? Yeah, it's the muscle memory. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think uh, unless you have anything else to add, that'll probably wrap up this episode. Yeah, and, I... And finish off the vintage 4x4, except for the upcoming unloved, unwanted FJ40 and, and others, yeah. which we bring up the Nissan Patrol, too. If you're out there oh. at home crying about the Nissan Patrol, we talk about it for all of, like, 30 seconds. I'm going to make this statement sarcastically, but unfortunately, I was not part of that episode. <laughs> and it's probably good, because I got way too many opinions on those. Steve did say Nissan Patrol looks like a Land Rover. That's why. <laughs> it kind of does. I'm just it's just the squareness of it. It does not. It. it so does not. I mean, everything of that era kind of looks the same. Square, yeah, brown I would, headlights. I can see the Patrol on the CJ5 a little bit, but the Land Rover, it's, it's too different. <laughs> too different. We're not going to have this conversation. Okay, so if you have something else, if you listen to Pinscower. all... Oh, I, yeah, we forgot about Pinscower. Anyway. I and just was being a pain. What about Unimog? Were they around back then? Oh, yeah, Speaking they were. Awkward, Unimog. You know, and then you get into your Russian, whatever, the, uh, oh, the Lada Neva. Yeah. And there's that van thing, whatever the crap that thing's called, that's in a bunch of video games. And yeah. My Eastern European self has seen many times. Yeah. So yeah they, they never end. But, uh, you know, maybe we'll look into a couple more of them in the future. 
episodes. I do have some more episodes lined up. I've got a few other people to talk to and kind of go over some of their projects. But like we always say, if you have a project you want to talk about, you know, hit us up, show us some pictures of it. Maybe we'll have you on a podcast and we can uh, talk about your your projects and uh, we like to see that. And like I had I had a lot of fun talking to Steve about his stuff, you know. Um, and uh, I look forward to doing that with more vehicles in the future of, you know, going in and, and seeing other people's builds and talking to them about what they've done and, and how, you know, what they've learned from it and, and what they plan to do with it. And I do enjoy that about this podcast. So keep listening, hang out with us, you know, follow us on, again, all the social medias at The Projecteers. And uh, we'll be having some fun through the future. Heck yeah. See ya. Bye-bye. Thank you.